Casey, this is Laura, and we are back with Funeral Stories Podcast. How are you today, Laura? I'm lovely. Cool. Had a good night's sleep last night. That's good. I mean, this morning was a shit show. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, literally a shit show, which is actually the perfect way to introduce our guests. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened this morning was uh, Layla had spent the night with uh, her best friend, Caitlin, um, and then at this morning their parents called us and said she was puking and shitting everywhere so we had to yeah so scott and mickey had taken great care of layla um which is awesome because when your kid is sick the last thing you want is for them to not be with you but when it's basically their extra set of parents (laughs) it's pretty good so hello scott and mickey how are y'all very good thank you (laughs) so how have y'all's day how's y'all's day been I woke up with a headache. Somebody oh. drank too much last night. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> but I went to sleep, right? That's that's, that's what matters. a win. That's a win for <laughs> that me. That is a win. I'm it's telling you. Definitely. Mickey, how'd you feel this morning? Oh, I'm good. Yeah? I went to bed early. I know. Well, that's good because Layla needed you this I had morning. I had to be a nurse this morning, so I, I was good. No. <laughs> it's like, what a fucking day to start a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, so then we ended up going to urgent care and... Now she's sleeping, so that works out nicely for recording. Yeah, so. even though this is our first recording today, because we I just know haven't, it's just been haven't been shit. able to. And for reference of why that matters, it is now um, five thirty. And if you're a frequent listener, you know we usually start much earlier. Yeah, and do several episodes in one day. Yeah, but we'll probably we'll get go late into the can. night. Shit yeah, happens. Shit, yeah, happens. shit happens. I'm drinking a twelve ounce Red Bull. Don't judge me. It's sugar free. <laughs> I like aspartame. So. <laughs> Sorry, Nurse Mickey. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so, Scott, do you have anything you want to lead with? I'm going to go follow you. If yeah? you ask a question, I'll give you my best answer. Okay, well, do you want to talk about where you're from, or do you want to leave that out? Do you want to talk about... <sighs> the you? most significant thing about me and where I'm from? Yeah. Well, I'm from Athens, Georgia, mm-hmm. and this is the classic city. The like classic a lot of bands city. are here. It's a football town. Yep. I'm from a football family. That's right. And that's been, you know, a large predominant thing in my life. I was great at the sport. I'd hit you so hard, my mom would be mad at me. <laughs> but I didn't want to play it because yeah. it just been thrown in my face my whole life. So little bit of awkwardness there yeah i don't like going to games but i go to games because my wife who's not from here loves the yeah the party and everything and i'm just like oh hell i had a great Let's time go. with you at the game when we went <laughs> i did too i did too i'm not saying fun. i don't have fun yeah. i just get an anxiety around a yeah. lot of people i'm quite introverted and if you know me you don't think i am but yeah well and i i gotta imagine it's weird or maybe it's not weird for you it would be weird for me to walk into a stadium as famous as sanford stadium and like see a picture of my grandfather or you know what i mean i feel like that'd be kind of surreal yep and just yep, add to the layer of what the fuck <laughs> it's just ex- people expect something out of you or like expect you to be this great fan of football and to be honest with you i, I deserve a place on the field i don't give a <laughs> flying fuck about what's going on yeah like i don't care to bet on it i don't care who's winning elsewhere like yeah 
Yeah. And I get let down a lot. You know, get built up to like, we're going to win this national. And then. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. You said after our New Year's day when we were watching the game you're like i don't even fucking care because they had gone to the sec championship and that went horribly yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i get it Mm -hmm. i get like that too though i think you're just speaking the language of every georgia football fan right 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 right. it's been rough so yeah athens georgia you born here right born and raised here born and raised here yeah I i became an adult though a lot younger than most people yeah i was nine years old and I was a little troublemaker in school, and I was in detention in May. And I remember my dad, I was looking outside at all the kids playing and thinking to myself, man, I wish I was out there. But I was like, whatever. I'm, in, I'm copying out of the dictionary. I'm like, F. I'm about frustrated. <laughs> dad comes and gets me. He's like, where are we going? He's like, just come on. I was like, but I'm in trouble. He's like, I do it. Fuck, I want to go. Yeah. Like, I remember the look on his face. Like, don't, don't, like, let's, anyhow. You're good. <laughs> we, we take off and we fly. Uh, in his airplane i love north. the story good I'm glad we keep going this. north 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 until we get to a place where you no longer you, you, you can't use wheels rubber wheels you have to have skis <laughs> and we got a pilot like an offspring offshoot of the nazi empire i think some blonde haired blue eyed girl who, <laughs> like you, you're living up in that part of the world near resolute bay that's there's nobody up there she had to have been hiding from their family she was to, aryan <laughs> they were aryan for damn sure but he had to have a pilot who knew where they were going and dad dad picked her and we went to the north pole not the true north pole but where all the compasses point to and all animals like migrate by and and i get there and and i'm a product of the 80s and rambo and you know (laughs) the macho shit and i had my rambo survival knife on me right and i jump out of the airplane i'm looking around there ain't nothing there and it's spinning in circles and i'm thinking to myself like Santa Claus has got to be here. It's like this, like he's dad's pulling it out big time, <laughs> proving some. Ch- and then I, I looked at dad, I was like, Dad, it's spinning around in circles. Like Santa Claus has got to be around. He looks at me, oh shit. He said, God, fate, luck, and the devil. Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy. Dada. All the same. And he threw me a beer. He said, Welcome to the real world. Now drink it. Oh, God. So I'm probably the youngest person in the world to get drunk at the North Pole. Like, <laughs> I drank three beers before I, you know, I didn't like the taste of it, but it was a thing I had to do. Like, we all drank there. And dad's like, Now you're an adult. <laughs> and I, I remember shit. peeing my name on top of the world and running around it like a hundred times. And my brother came, What are you doing? I said, I want to be able to say I ran around the world a hundred times in a day. He's like, oh, Beat me, <laughs> beat me up. And. <laughs> But that was a wake-up call. And you know when you, you, we are electric beings and our brains are like conduits of I- energy. Yeah. Well, when I was brought to that place, I was immersed into an environment where every animal like knows where this place is. Yeah. And I, it changed me. And my compass, like my internal compass never stopped spinning since then. I believe then. it. Yeah. I think you told me that story one of the very, very first times we had come over to y'all's house when you are living at the old house. And it, this was like towards the middle of the day when we hung out all day and into the night and it was towards the middle of the day. And you told me that and I was like, hold on. And I was like, Seth, come here. I was like, do you <laughs> mind telling it again? And when you were done, I looked over and I was like, he makes so much more sense now. <laughs> like, I get it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really does that's, make sense. That's the story that defined, yeah. defined you. Yes, I was in that that's moment. when my life mm-hmm. began. Yeah. 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 So how how different was Scott before and Scott after? Well, I watched the videos before, like, time had destroyed the Betamax film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got I managed to save some of it, but most of it is kind of sad to me because it would always be like, Dad, 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 look, look, mm-hmm. look at me. Like, you know, you got this man, like, 
taking people to the North Pole. He's not fucking around. Yeah. Like, he's too busy. But there's this nine-year-old kid. I was like, I wonder what it feels like that all the time for me. Yeah. Always crying out for attention, you know? Yeah. Grief. What? I'm telling you, that's the first episode we did of this. It was a lot of me talking about my grief associated with my dad. And my dad's still living. But your grief, probably like mine, currently started well before your dad passed. Oh, yeah. You know? And that's always such a weird realization because it's grief isn't linear and it doesn't really have like a timeline it doesn't expire no it just kind of is always fucking there but and for myself i kind of allow myself to feel it in its fullest i'm not afraid to cry in exactly. front of people like yeah. if i have that therapy available to me i'm going to be that one person everybody in the group hates because i'm talking too much because <laughs> i worked it out and once i've got it worked out I, I really don't experience it that much unless i have a dream of my dad or i see or i don't know if something brings it up and, and, and I get emotional but I'm not yeah. I'm not afraid to cry then but I just don't have time to let it eat at me yeah like yeah. I've been through an incredible amount of dumb shit like mm-hmm. been arrested for yes. just stupid thing like flying at large I was telling you earlier <laughs> yeah. like, I wouldn't clip my parents wings they put me in jail for, like flying at large by but the way all the grief <laughs> that I, I felt from, from that just didn't last that long I was like everybody else is mad at me but I still love my damn self like, you know like, yeah. I didn't care like, where do you think that confidence came from after we came back from the North Pole that same summer, my dad fit me into a camp that had been the the entry line had been closed, mm-hmm. but he just got me in there. Mm-hmm. And it was a, camp, a cabin full of 15 year olds from New Jersey. And I was just one kid who happened to come back from the North Pole. And they're like, you know, that Santa Claus really gets under, like, they beat the shit out of me. You were nine? At nine. And like, not only did they beat me up, they like told me I was going to hell. And it was a Christian camp. Wow. And I didn't, you know, I didn't, already didn't like church. So yeah. I wasn't wanting to hear that. And I was going to hell and they'd tell scary stories and they'd make me scared. And I, like, I remember screaming and running into the middle of the night into the lake and like trying to swim across an entire lake. And they're like, wow. But they beat me up so much. They fed me laxatives, so I pooped myself oh my in front God. of everybody oh a mile from the cabin and the whole camp staring at me, pointing and laughing like in slow motion as I walk back. And when I get back, I throw my dirty doo-doo uh, <laughs> jams uh, bathing suit into, uh, out the window. And I came back from like going to the shower, and they're like, you didn't think we'd forget that you shit yourself, did, did you? Oh, my God. And they're like, sit down on it. And I had to get on it and like, sleep in my own like filth that night and i wrote notes home like crying you know and they read them in front of everybody in the like everybody and they all sat there and laughed you know it's like a it broke mind fuck i had had no ego and when i came home i remember my sister got a pet rabbit and bit me i killed the damn thing with my hands like just yeah that's some fuck you got some and my dad was like what the fuck's wrong with you i'm like i want to learn to fight yeah that day or that week i ended up in mike moore's karate and things didn't get better for me it's like I was in there with all like I, I get dropped off of the bus at three o'clock and I walk around Beachwood Athens for two hours, wow. like nine years old until I was twelve, waiting for these people that were younger than me, smaller than me, faster than me, meaner than me. They, they were assholes, mm. beat me up every day, and I never like really learned to fight till I was about twelve. Something clicked. I stopped caring, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, three at a time, they were getting knocked out. <laughs> and then, like immediately, I got put into the adult class. Wow. And I got not cross-eyed by a cross-eyed man, <laughs> twice my size, and I got jumped from green to blue belt or something, and it just for like getting back up. And he knocked the shit out of me. Then I remember my dad sitting in there on this blood-stained canvas where you you paint yourself as a warrior. You know what I'm saying? That's what they mm-hmm. called it. Wow. And 
this guy is number two in the world. The only reason he wasn't number one is because he fought dirty. Like, mm. at, at all costs, we'd win. Yeah. And our dad's paying him to teach me to fight. My dad's like, you got to learn to take a punch, get a mic. And this dude did a spinning back hit and knocked me upside <laughs> my face, put a shoe print on me. And I get up and I'm shaking and I'm trying, not, trying not to cry. <laughs> Dad said, you want to learn to fight, boy? Shut the f- and and yeah. wipe it off. Like, yeah. get up. And then did it this side. And I looked at my dad's like, this is what you want for me? I'm like, yeah. But after a while, it stopped hurting and like the feelings left and time slowed down and I could see people coming way faster yeah. ever than ever before. And all of a sudden, I was knocking adults out. Yeah. And I kept doing it. And my dad started, like, that guy fucked my dad over in a business deal. So his way of taking it back was taking his, every bit of his equipment. That's how he could pay him back. And he opened his own in one of his warehouses. And there was um, amateurs and professionals criminals and my boxing coach was crazy <laughs> he'd been on a uh, playboy magazine for like using your mind to create larger boobs and oh my god uh, and, and been on, he'd been on oprah before he's like you know kevner boxing around here in town what is, what's the it? best boxing voted number one in the state what's it was it his dad kepner kepner no kepner. i don't know but that's interesting but i never really hung out with him but I, I hung out with his dad his dad just passed away and he's like a legend in my mind mm. this you know, like look at you like this and the little small guy but he broke a couple of my dad's ribs and i've learned throughout my life that if you can't like literally like break somebody's nose and be friends immediately afterwards <laughs> like they have not had the ego breakdown that i that i did that's actually what like, is the women's equivalent of that like we don't punch each other but i don't know what what would be the women's equivalent of punching sleeping someone with someone's husband i don't know like but i don't think i would really i don't think we know you could be yeah. friends afterwards no that's not the same no that's not no. the same no. I, but I was just thinking like Women are typically Shaming. more forgiving. Oh, way to go, Casey, to saying that women use sex to get it. <laughs> just kidding. Way more forgiving no, than, than um, men because of the ego thing. I just think yeah. women don't. Some women do, but I just not the women I hang out with. We don't. But believe me, we have the opposite have. of an ego. <laughs> but that is true, though. Men just punch each other and get over it. Yeah. My, my family, the women, will hurt you. But I eat a lot, so I'm not mean. Like, if I get hungry, you sure enough have a problem on your hands. Like, I really do. God forbid society ever lose its, like, the grocery stores. Because once it does, all these people out there are going to be some headhunters out here. I was going to say, are we talking about the apocalypse? Because you already know I'm coming to your house. Yeah. When that shit, I was like, "Mm, this is literally the one one person I want on my side when it all goes down. Well, my wife here disagrees with me and thinks that guns are dumb, but I promise you, like, my dad, we had alcohol in dis- uh, yeah. distribute, you know, so any given time we got a quarter million, a million cases of beer on hand. My dad had a plan and employees on his payroll that knew the plan, and if the fabric, as he put it, he said, if the fabric of society is ripped and there's no longer food on the grocery shelves, they're going to come for our beer. Mm. And he had a secret door that opened with an arsenal that was scary. Like, and I remember shooting guns with them when I was like 10 or 11, like AK-47s and bazookas wow. and RPGs. Yeah. Shit you're not allowed to have, but guess what? who my dad's best friend was? The head of the alcohol, alcohol tobacco, and firearms. Like, he'd been the head of all five divisions in his career, so it's like, you know. That's crazy. Yeah. We're, we're not irresponsibly, like, they knew the plan, you know? Yeah, you got to protect yeah. your stuff. So how did, because your upbringing has always just sounded like, a, like the craziest movie that you... They probably wouldn't like go movie. to the big screen because it was a little too intense. Um, but how were your siblings? Like, were they? Was it kind of the same parenting for everyone? Or? No, not no? at all. Because there's four of us, and mm-hmm. my dad started when he was 21. He didn't grow up great, you know. His mm-hmm. 
his his upbringing was like you know you, you win a, a Heisman Trophy you're mm-hmm. not a nice person like you are an animal mm-hmm. and you can hurt people and like the per- person they invented the ba- face mask for mm-hmm. the chin strap was my granddad yeah and he had a, like he was an immigrant didn't want people to know it so he changed his last name from Singlevic to Sinkwich mm-hmm. so he'd sound like he more fit in and it was a time when people from that part of the world were communists and we were at war with communism so he's like. I don't have any, oh, yeah. any ties with my my, my family. Because what and year? Nineteen forty-two. Yeah. Yeah. This he was he, he wanted his reputation to stay untarnished. Yeah. And he grew up up north. There was a lot of ethnic racism going on. Like it didn't matter if you're black or white. Yeah. Like, just being white and a different from a different country. You were like yeah. You had your, anyhow, my Gangs grandpa. Gangs in New York shit. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. But my Irish my, against Italians mm-hmm. and yeah. Well, he was Slavic and he came from Croatia and. He said, "If I knew it was like to live down south, I'd have crawled to get there." And oh, wow. when he when he when he when he moved here, he married my grandma, who was on her way to Hollywood. She was going to be in a Bud Abbott and Lou Costello movie <laughs> yeah, for Tarzan. She was going to be Jane, but my grandpa like said, "Uh, uh-uh. yeah, you're going to sit in the kitchen where you belong." You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's the way people were back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on the newspaper on the wall in my sister's room. I'm just like, that's just so sad. Yeah, you have the oldest brother that's nine, and then there's another one, a, a sister, then you, then another sister. Yeah, my sister, younger boy sister, girl, is six girl. years younger. Okay, me. got you. So you got fourteen or fifteen years difference between the first and, and the same last. mom, okay. mom, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Jeez, man, that's a lot of time to make babies. Yeah. Yeah. Stretched them out. And my dad loved us like unlike like I deserved. Like I was the worst kid. So what was the first funeral you ever went to? Mm. The only one I remember was my granddad's. Yeah. But I really don't remember that funeral. How old were you? 10 years old 10 10 years old yeah I remember it was a big deal yeah. I remember oh, being I'm mad sure. my, my principal came and told me I didn't like her we were at odds all the time like it was my, I was a little shit and you, I feel like you might have a problem with authority I, I, de- I definitely do authority authority oh my god I love it yeah uh, she, but she, she thought it wise to tell me my grand and I thought at 10 years of age that it should have been my family to sure. tell me yeah. and then she like overstepped her bounds but I remember it just being a big deal that my grandpa had passed. And How old was he? He was 72 or 3, maybe. Oh, so was it not people, super yeah. old? No, he was born in 21. That was in 90. So what was that? 69? Jeez. Is that? Yeah. 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 I think Wait. he was 70 already at that point. How? That's young. Was it? What Do you remember what? He died with scotch in his hand. Oh. Diabetes. Was he alcoholic? I'd say alcoholic. Just man liked his drinks. Yeah. Yeah, it was probably, honestly, he grew up in a time where there wasn't time to worry about alcoholism. Like, yeah. Even if... He got the rights to sell High Life beer, and they asked him if he wanted to be the face of it. And he's like, hell yeah, I'll do that. Was he really the... He got the... I don't oh, know well, exactly I guess... the details, and I, I only, like, garnish from bits and pieces I hear my yeah. dad say, or, like, other people tell me. And, like Fragments of memories. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or other people's, and you don't know how like much truth there is to it, but... yeah. Some of them I hold on to. Others I'm like, mm, no, not so much. Y'all have those really cool old ass high life like promo, pi- like f- pictures. Yeah, Mickey wanted to take those down yesterday because they're but they're from the eighties. Oh, from the eighties? Yeah, they're cool. It's like there's the men's bar and the women's bar. God, they look like they're from the fucking eighteen hundreds. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Why I took them down. I mean, they're in brown and tan. They look not cool in a man cave. White. Brown and tan. That's old. And they're like, yeah, I mean, they look like. They came from the very first High Life campaign. Yeah. High Life's been around since, I think, the 
twenties or something. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long, a long time. Miller Light won a minute then. Miller Genuine Draft was his high life. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so which it would make sense that they would ask him just because of like his notoriety and yeah. Um, but so you don't really know exactly what he died from. Um, or diabetes and and and, and, and drinking. Okay. Drinking um, with diabetes, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's enough to do it. <laughs> that'll do it, that's right. Mm-hmm. It'll cause yeah. it, and it'll kill you. Um, so, that funeral, Mickey was saying, or asking, was there a lot of people there? Do you remember? I don't remember too well, but I just remember it being like TV there. Yeah. Like, and Dad sending them on their way, be like... Mm. Yeah, so that's got to be weird as a 10-year-old, you know. It's, were you close with your grandfather? Not so much close, but I'd see him, you know, sometimes. Yeah. He'd, come, he'd come over. I just remember he'd always give good gifts. He'd give you, like, a $100 bill and be like, go get something you want. Oh, that's awesome. And then he gave me the biggest, like, uh, He-Man or, Le- or the He-Man, or no, it was maybe a Star Wars thing. The biggest toy ever made. It was, like, an aircraft carrier. It yeah. was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> this thing's, like, half the size of a room, man. We played that thing for you. It's destroyed. Yeah, I'm sure. But he... Yeah, you know he loved it. he loved us and yeah. you knew he was happy to see me put on his uh, but he was old you know and he'd come around and we were kids playing so how um, adults many doing. kids did he have or two my aunt i don't really know her okay and my dad and your aunt's still alive she's still alive okay yeah is she local She's in Atlanta. Okay, okay. But, but you y'all just, just don't have a relationship? I've seen her tw- once in my life, I think. Really? Maybe talked to her twice. So like, they weren't close, your dad and her? No, no, no. Okay. no. So they were like jealous siblings. and. So I imagine at 10, and you were going through a lot the year before, and then you have a funeral of the patriarch of your family. Um, what was your concept of death at that time? scary yeah scary like when i was six i remember going to church and being told that this toy i brought with me was not mine and they gave it she gave it to some other kid and like put me in a closet for a while and then we went out of the playground i got forced to go down some slide that was metal and it burned the crap ah. out of me and this kid moved in my neighborhood and the first thing he ever said looking at me these glasses with a duct tape <laughs> not duct tape but what's the anyhow the light like, white yeah the tape, light white yeah. tape keeping it together and they were caught, caught he's he like you you've been saved i said i didn't know i was in, i didn't know i was in danger what's up and he's like for thou have not given my soul to the lord and you will be in danger of the hellfire here come to my house and it went to his house and his mom had this woman over and they went to one of those churches where he's speaking tongues mm. oh gosh that's right? terrifying if you've so never been around it we had the book of the seven deadly sins and the 12 whatever that you're not supposed to I don't even know the twelve commandments, and, mm-hmm. and each book was a flip book, and there'd be a Isn't dude sitting by the wall. I think there's ten. I, that's what I'm saying. I, 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 totally was, like, I, was, I was completely going twelve. Yeah, twelve months in a year. The okay. Ten commandments. Yeah. Like, okay. like Scott, you know, you're I have a problem with people, authority. But. Like I just don't. Yeah. Obey. Yeah. Very well, but I remember looking at the flip book and watching this guy sit by a wall, and a pretty girl walks by, and he whistles. <laughs> Next thing you see is like him in a hellfire, burning, oh, and his face turns to a skeleton, and like smoke coming off of it. And then it, that's it, like the house it, thing. Oh, I oh my god! Yeah, they, it would tell you which sin you did, and I was like, dude, I'm never going Fuck. to heaven. I'm fucked. Like I'm <laughs> fucked. And I knew it at age six that I wasn't gonna be good. Like I knew it right there. And I remember, oh yeah. I remember crying every night for like. 30 days I'd rip my covers off the bed and like you sit there because like I didn't want to die I didn't want to sorry we got interrupted by a very confused Layla (laughs) she looked so out of it poor thing walking in but Mickey went to go help her um 
But Scott, you were talking about how you knew at six you were definitely going to hell. Yeah, I was if going it to, was real. Uh, no, yeah, I was definitely going to hell. Like, and the Bible does say that like you're nobody's as perfect and yeah. yeah. Jesus was. And I think they like they they got me though. But I wasn't, I wasn't gonna like. I, I was ready for hell. So that's how, like <laughs> for thirty days, I prepared myself for like you know eternity of damnation. Wow! And at six years of age, I just gave it all. I was like, whatever. I, I refused to go to church after that. I refused to like read any of it. My dad was down with that because his mom was overly religious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Overly religious. I, I inherited like forty Bibles, and of them all were earmarked five different colors. Probably been read five times wow. over, Jeez. and had references to people. One time, I found like. Uh, uh, a biblical like description of myself and I, she did not like me she oh, didn't like me tough. but i agreed with everything she said you know like i was a co- cocky little piece of shit how know? old were you when you or if you had to guess when you found that uh probably in my 20s at some time okay. but you know it all the shoe fit and i, I wore it i just you know nobody had uh, had enough gut so to put it so well distinctly you know a lot of the shit you've said like it makes me feel like the only real like response is you either you feel so like all the shit that's happened you feel so bad about yourself until you literally break like you just don't give a damn anymore right where well, that's yeah. when your give a damn breaks yeah. yeah you have to either infiltrate into what everybody's telling yeah. you or yes. you rebel against it i'm pretty much a rebel right oh uh, yeah so yeah you can do one or the other and your response was to rebel yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so at death only affected me when my dad died so how yeah. old were you when your dad died 2010 30 oh yeah that's right because it was 30 recent. i just turned 30 how old was your dad he was 61 wow and it was 9 11 when wow. he got i think he knew he had something going on beforehand but it didn't like the mushroom cloud in his brain mm-hmm. blew up on 9 11 hmm. and i was in trouble with him i was always in trouble and he called me cussing me out about my motorcycle like i was never allowed to ride a motorcycle you'll kill yourself yada yada and he fired me from work i had wow. sold it to get back to work and i'd already gotten rid of it and he's like cussing me out about my motorcycle that i got already gotten rid of he's it's like dad you, you've got i mean it's gone yeah and then my brother called me he's like scott get to the get to the hospital right now something's wrong with dad and like that moment, like we realized it, the, the doctor came in and says, your dad has a stage four, uh, something astrocytoma, something like that. Oh, that's like he's a big tumor. He's got three days to live unless we do some radiation and he's got maybe 18 months. And it was like 18 months on blastoma, the Blastoma? Like yeah, something like that. Like, um, brain tumor, right? Glioblastoma. Yeah. And it was inoperable because it crossed the corpus callosum, the dividing line in the brain, the frontal lobe, which is your personality. So... It was a rough, a rough time, and like it, it was slow, eighteen months, and more. Of my grief with this is instead of like manning up and doing right, I went out drinking, got a DUI, mm-hmm. so I wasn't allowed to take him out, couldn't drive him to his mm-hmm. appointment. So the only time I ever drove was when my mom called me in the middle of the night. Dad had decided he'd walk the stairs, uh, and I'm carrying like a two hundred seventy five pound man up the stairs. You know, like mm-hmm. I was the only one that could do it. Wait, so how long was it from when you got the call about this is what nine eleven till April seventeenth, two thousand ten, wow. and but when this man died like like it was more impactful than like if my granddad or like you know yeah honeybees were swarming the outside of his window like Mm -hmm. as he was dying and we're coming in through the vents in the room we had people that worked for us coming like shutting the vents because honeybees were coming in a sweet man is gone and like he showed me what like life meant you know took me to the north pole to show me like yeah it's me yeah like you'll be misled by everyone i will never shoot you wrong yeah and 
that was like cool to see honeybees out there yeah i remember like as they i remember when he died like that nurse that they had to come in it was like the one my mom couldn't handle the like the emotional strain of yeah being there like it takes a strong person to hold a person's hands while they die and that's why I, that's why i joined em like when my dad was dying I remember in the hospital, he, he broke a nurse's arm or two of them. Wow. Like, he wasn't a man to mess with, you know? Like, we grew yeah. up in the gym. We, we weren't playing games. And he wanted to check out this fucking hotel. Like, oh. I want to, it's like, hotel, like, he's like, I want to go home, Scott. Yeah. So, dad, it ain't up to you no more. I was like, that's a hard well, thing to he, let go of. Yeah, they put him in a cage, like the zippers on the outside. And he was like, tried everything to get me to open that damn thing up and let him out. I was like, last time I did it, dad, you broke some people's arms. <laughs> <laughs> like it took all of us to get We're you back in here. This. We're not doing it again. And he, then he all of a sudden he had a moment of clarity. Uh, he turned into a 16 year old. He's like, dude, we're gonna go get in my Mustang. And we're gonna go ride around town and we're gonna pick up women. You were gonna get laid tonight. I was like, Dad, like, whatever. <laughs> but then he had a moment of clarity and he says, Scott. I said, Yeah. He said, Put your hand up here. I put my hand up there. He goes, Look at me. I I know what's going on. I know what's wow. going on right now promise me you won't let me die anywhere at home i said okay oh, wow. and i made that promise and i was like oh well, that's cool to see dad you know yeah. i've been seeing this wild man like just many different angles of yeah what a glioblastoma can do to the corpus callosum oh, and a frontal lobe well, like he- for the moment he got sick he wasn't the same man and like he was a very controlling person like if i left the house he would know what time what door what code was used to turn <laughs> the alarm off like magnetic tape solved that problem by the way (laughs) (laughs) nice try i feel like scott could have a life hack blog for just how to get away with shit (laughs) yeah but you gotta get caught like a dozen times yeah exactly yeah well there's honeybees out there and they're taking them i remember the breathing machine and like his chest going up and down so i was like my whole family's there and i was like i guess i took it upon myself like i cut off the machine that made him breathe wow and then I closed his eyes and I looked at everybody and I said I nodded. And that's my brother. The only time I see him cry. Oh wow. Head on the pillow there. Oh God. Yeah. Wow, Scott, I didn't never know that. But I remember when my dad told me like, I wanna die at home. My dad was like, you know, hard to handle, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like we didn't we're so did you get to go home or was he still in the hospital? He went home and we had some nurse that's like this is her job, the end of life to the very end. Yeah. I got banned from the hospital. I got banned from the house from just being bad, you know. Like, yeah. And I'm, I can be intimidating if I want. Like, do not get between me and my love. Yeah. Period. Yeah. No matter who my love is. Yeah. Like, you do. You have a look. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's yeah. for real. It's yeah. not joking around. Yeah. Like, I'll die for what I love. Yeah. And like, if you're not ready to go through that, then step yeah. aside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. There was a moment where he was freaking out. He had a diabetic. He was diabetic too, and he was having a diabetic rage when you get hungry. Mm. You're diabetic, and you got one of those things in your frontal lobe blowing up. And like, yeah, scariness come, came out. My mom called me, and the cops were there, and the EMS was there, and neither of them wanted to deal with them. They're like, we don't know how we're going to handle this. We're calling for more units. So I was like, well, what's the problem? What can I, what can we do? And my brother's just like, I'm gonna let them handle it. I was like, can I? They're like, we need to get this in. I said, like, can I go in there and do it? And the cop was like, I mean, if you can get it. And the paramedics, like, told me exactly what to do. He's like, if you can do it, man, you're going to be a great help. And I was like, I made a promise to my dad that he's going to die here. So I got to go. When I walked in that house, man, I remember it just being quiet. It's a big house, an old Victorian house. Like, 
nice as it can be and it was quiet and i heard the tv upstairs i'll start walking up the stairs and i get there dad's chilling like he always is you know happily <laughs> in his little throne and he turns and looks and he says they fucking send you huh <laughs> last resort <laughs> and i said dad it's time for this to go in yeah he goes you're not putting shit in me boy it's like goes back the chair goes flying back he's throwing stuff at me i'm ducking I'm going this way and luckily they they trained me as a kid to fight because like he was trying to kill me yeah and i was just sitting there ducking dying, <laughs> laughing at the man i was like you're old now bro sorry you can't touch me anymore you know God, that's such a real fucking and, description yeah. of what that shit's like and the rage is like looking at a bull like a matador like you know so there this thing i couldn't get the damn needle in him like i couldn't yeah. get close so luckily my brother had come in the house like and he saw the look on my dad my dad was throwing punches it scared him it scared the shit out of him. He's like, all right, fuck this. Like, dad, like he's going to a nursing. And dad turned and looked and saw who's down there. It was like a, a movie. Mm, uh, I'll come get you too, boy. Oh, my God. And he started going down the stairs. That was my shot. So I came in behind him with both needles and bam. Oh, Left him in there and like ran past him. I said, done deal. You know, like oh high five the paramedic. He's like, have you ever considered a career in, <laughs> in emergency response? I was like, no, man. I doubt they put me on an ambulance. So Is like, that how you got... That's why wow. I joined EMS. Like, also, I've been. Let's just say I'm a member. Of, I'm a friend of Bill. Um, <laughs> I've been in the program. Like, but that's why I got into it. That, but now I met Mickey, and she was a nurse. She's like, "Yeah, you should do that." And I, I wasn't doing anything of value at that time. You know, I was in rehab, and yeah, uh, I was like, "All right, I'll do it." And, and it became my thirteenth step. You know, like the twelfth step is where you help every uh, other alcoholics. Yeah. And my 13th step was going to help everybody. <laughs> but when that man died, listen, go back yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. When I walked Please. out the door and like they were carrying him on the gurney and it was over. And I was like, the hollow pit inside. But butterflies from everywhere, like 10 of them, came from outside and landed on me. It's like a day of the insects. Like wow. honeybees outside his window. Like, you can't make that shit up. Yeah. yeah. Like, why did that happen? That's interesting. When Muhammad Ali died, they, they outside his window. I don't know if that was like planned or what, but yeah. I know it wasn't at my house. Yeah. And it was just a very important day. And like the animals knew it. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm very in tune with nature. I, I walk out in the woods. I know what mushrooms I'm looking for. I know what to mm-hmm. look for to find what I'm looking for. And like nature came to my, that my, I remember my buddy Andrew, who was my driver. Like when my dad needed help, mm-hmm. like he would take me there. Like we, we worked together. So like anytime we need to go, Andrew says, Scott, look. And I was like, I looked down there just all over me. I was like, what's going on? I guess I don't know. I remember going mushroom hunting the next day, just trying to get away from the emotions. Like we're about to have to do a funeral and going mushroom hunting and a deer coming out walking like like stopped in the middle of the street walked in front of my truck and just stopped and looked at me and then like like that and it turned back around and went to the other side and like looked back at me like follow me <laughs> so I, I went and followed and i found like 40 pounds of chanterelle mushrooms back when nobody <laughs> knew what a fucking chanterelle was I said, this dude and nobody was like about mushrooms. <laughs> was not, no, no, nobody else was into it you know everybody in georgia yeah. who was buying them was getting them from yeah. alabama and you didn't have these eighty thousand member groups on facebook like yeah. for with like internet warriors like who can spout out latin names yeah like it just but i was like my dad was like he was like scott you're not happy working in the beer company you're not good at it either <laughs> like i was good at delivering beer but that's all i ever got to do because i was always in trouble i never got like any higher promotions and in my family you earn your rank yeah you know so i stayed on the on the grunt level like those motherfuckers love me because i work as hard as you do yeah and if they're working harder well, than they me they're on drugs for sure <laughs> well they also don't like i'm sure they knew but 
if they didn't know, they never would have known that you were like the son of the owner. Oh, they all knew. But, but once they, they worked, worked with me and realized that they weren't having to work as hard, they're like, yeah. I'll take you on my truck all day long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like they love me out there. Like, yeah. But I don't know about the upper echelon because, you know, kind of look down on people who are in my position who fuck up yeah. and fuck up and fuck up and fuck up to yeah. the point where you're just like, there's no excuse for that. Yeah. Yeah, but in my mind, I'm validated by letting my dad die at home because if anybody else had their way, he was going somewhere. Wow. And that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And, so did y'all call in hospice? And Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. when the priest came over. Wow. Like, the dad looked at there and was like, did I fucking call you? <laughs> motherfucker like straight up to a priest and he's like well sorry no no shut your fucking lips and listen when a grown man's talking get out of my house me and the lord are square yeah. <laughs> and i don't need you to like validate my life yeah and the honeybees kind of like like they came to, to like you know punch that in yeah. and inject a little bit of validation to it because it was crazy it was yeah, crazy that is crazy so when your dad died you said you were at a point in your life in a, or when he found out you said nine eleven, you were in a point where you weren't necessarily the best Scott. Scott no, no, could no, no. be Scott has always been Scott. There's no better, different versions of this kid. We are all in a continuous flow. We are who we are at the moment. There's no who I could have been. It's what I was up to, yeah, and who I was. And let me tell you, like. Yeah. They weren't going to clip these wings. Like, <laughs> yeah. I have been true to myself my whole life. Yeah. And then when I when I couldn't handle, like, other people's thoughts on me, I probably imbibed too deeply into other things. Yeah. But I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't need other people to, like, validate myself, you know? Like, yeah. But I'm full of myself, too. Like, oh, God. My best fan's, like, sitting right here in the seat. <laughs> like, and it kind of sucks because she, she, my wife gets, like, on to me. She's like, she, don't, she doesn't like, um, she likes humility. Yeah, like, I'm not very much <laughs> humble, you know. Like I've lived a life of excess, and yeah, and I, that's just where I'm from and what I know. Hey guys, we just uh, took a little break again. Uh, not sure where we left off. Yeah, so we are just gonna go back in. Yes, because um, you were saying that you had a memory of a couple of other funerals. Couple of other funerals, and these are people my own age. This is growing up. Come closer to the mic. Sorry. Yeah. My yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Did you ever? Um, at that age see yourself being where you are now almost 40 or no i didn't when i was 16 years old i said i don't want to live to 40 yeah i want to die before i'm 40 because like what's after that yeah i did not see that and i literally did say that to myself yeah i remember live fast die young and now that i'm here like i blinked and it wasn't a blink it was 20 years yeah yeah that's some real shit the older what was it my my aunt was on this podcast and she said the most profound thing to me at her age she's in her 60s but she said that like when she was about 55 she somebody told her we have more yesterdays than we do tomorrows yeah yeah and that just i was like holy shit yeah. what a weird like thing to grasp i look at yeah. it like a, um the controller or, how, or like your iphone how much battery it has yeah like i'm at half yeah. Yeah, age 40. I'll be 40 next week. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's 2020, the time of perfect vision. Hindsight truly is. Like, if, if, you, if you're smart enough to, like, learn through other people, this guy sitting beside me. His like, nephew. Yeah. <laughs> Justin, he, he, he learns through other people, and, like, that what not to do. I learn through doing slamming my head yeah. into the door. Like, yeah. Not trying to push it under the, like, no, I'm trying to break the whole, yeah. like, my head. Which Just, is... Do you envy 
I mean, I know you're happy. I, well, with what I tell him is that, dude, you can like be like Apollo. Yeah. And, and shoot from afar. If you just pick something you want in life, you can get it. You just gotta. Yeah. Like keep making decisions that lead to that goal. Like if you, if you sit there static in life, not doing something. Yeah. Like not. Then, then you've got no direction. It's like because I personally envy Justin and people like Justin because I would prefer to have just be able to learn from other people's mistakes and also see them and say, "Well, I don't want to be like that." You yeah. know, like I just that's not in my blood. Yeah, me neither. It's, you can tell me something, but until I've experienced it myself, it's yeah. not really. Like well, then I'm also there's a side of me that's like, "Oh, that's bad. I want to try it." <laughs> <laughs> you know but not just try it master it like yes, understand yes. what it's for and yeah. when to use and like what out and, and and unfortunately and imbibing in any like category yeah well and also when it comes to grief and even if you don't realize it's grief at the time that's when when i'm grieving that is when my deviance or my bad decisions if you will are really just through the roof that's when i'm like oh cool you see everything around me that's nice give me a thing of gasoline and a match like i just yeah, yeah i just want to destroy it like look at watch the world burn kind of thing and that is when i'm deep in my grief that's where i go yeah sucks i'm trying to be better about it that's not when i get destructive grief yeah yeah, yeah. no i mean grief for me i i want to like really feel it because I know that I have to feel it in order to get through it, to move on from it. So I just want to like go ahead and embrace it and it's be changing. in it. It's changing yeah. for me, but like, not since, it, this pod, it's since this podcast yeah. hasn't changed. But like when I'm grieving something, I'm like, all right, I need to just dive into this. I really just feel everything that I'm feeling with my grief so that I can, yeah, yeah. bounce back from it. No, this destructive moments come when I'm a, when I'm starting to get bored yeah. with it, with just like the way things are. That's when I'm. Bored yeah. and idle it's hands. Dangerous. Yeah. Yep. So okay, when um, when your dad that you had said something about you, your grief really affected you when your dad died, and you thought about what you'd put them through. I think about if I dwelled on that, yeah, then I would absolutely hate myself. So it's so I have that, to be arrogant and be like, yeah. that's me, you know, like take it as it, and that's bad in a way because I see other people that do it. And I'm like, Mm-mm, not right. Well, but I think I, it's self-preservation. It is. I, and it I is. think that's it okay. Definitely self-preservation. But there's got to become a time when, like, if you're going to be worthy as a person, where you stop is like pull the parachute, yeah, and slow the descent. You know, like. Well, and and you've the the Scott that I hear stories about. Like, yeah, you're still like one hell of a good time, and you every once in a while, but but you you're know. not that person anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I, I mean, you I, are. I but like that person. Like, yeah, I liked him. I, I liked myself then, and that's why he can come but every I now and then. Done a lot of things that yeah. like would make me not like myself if yeah. I thought too hard about it. Yeah, yeah. well, and that's okay. <laughs> like, the mind is a powerful tool, and you sh- there is a healthy amount of like defense that goes up to kind of block out those things or to compartmentalize them. And I think that, you, first of all, your dad didn't seem like anyone that was anything but a straight shooter. Doesn't seem like warm like you, and fuzzy. Well, yeah, but you always <laughs> he was knew warm and bracing. Yeah, yeah. Not warm and fuzzy. Yeah, but like, so like did, was not afraid to hug. Would you it's, say that you had a difficult relationship with him? No, or? No, no. We were like, you, you know, we were pea pods. You know, like Caitlin and, and her mom are like, we yeah. were too much yeah. alike. Your dad really struck me as a straight shooter. Like you always knew where you stood with him. Would you say? 
Always. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that it was We could look at each other in the ring, like fighting <laughs> and know who's going to get punched for, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you learn from your old yeah. man, you know, like, I don't f- want you to beat yourself up about what you put him through because I feel like he was somebody who could have survived it. And when it comes to your mom, she's still alive and she's getting to see look, like, how great you are. A week before my dad got diagnosed, I was in mm-hmm. some mother trouble about something. I had to come to the office <laughs> to talk. And my brother looked at me and he's like, Scott, look, man, you are going to like worry dad to death. And not a week later, did he have a brain tumor blow up in his... And I was like, boom, and what do I do? Go get a DUI. You talk about grief. Like, you know what I felt then? What I felt like? What You know, not to be able to help the elite. But you know what? It turned out to work out just fine because when I was really needed and when nobody else could do it and flesh that was dying didn't make it up the stairs and somebody's got to get them up there. Mm-hmm. Get out of the fucking room. Just let me work. Yeah. I go look for like a like an old winter sled and like literally <laughs> use that once. Had an elevator in his house built for when the he planned ahead. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know what? He, he wouldn't use it. And he's like, no, I'm not dying. Like, Fuck that shit. Like, yeah. So uh, was your dad like you when he was younger? No, not at all. He was there was soon responsibility because both of his parents lived like you know. Like his mom was going to be in Hollywood, so yeah. she was probably flaky on him. Mm. like yeah but wanted to go but you know like it wasn't her fault either like she had a drinking problem too but she's she gave up and gave it to god mm. yeah and became ultra religious you know like i'm telling you i inherited 40 uh bibles and each one of them had been yeah. going through five times with five different pen colors like with references to like people yeah. and it's just like she knew the bible yeah my dad didn't like like it like he didn't like the anyhow so he, he went back and forth from parent to parent and he wanted to have children that didn't have to do that so at yeah. all costs he kept the family together like there was a the time when they they split up and his answer to that was to hire percy sledge who, who wrote oh, no, yeah. Yeah, when a man yeah. loves a woman Mara, a surprise for uh, a birthday party for my when mom. your mom told me that story in the car i was like <laughs> and, and she goes I know. <laughs> she was like, "Ain't that love?" I was like, "Holy fuck!" Hired fucking Percy, Percy Sledge, Sledge yeah. to sing. Yeah, and honeybees came to salute him when he died. You know, uh, yeah. like God speaking hard in my yeah. life. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to go to church, but yeah, I do sometimes just to see what everybody else is adhering to. And like, but I go read the books in the Bible that there aren't chapter like, that I, they don't preach, like Leviticus. Sometimes when he's like, "Women are worth a hundred or sixty uh, shekels." With men though about 200 like yeah. just for the baby you know like very sexy like if a woman looks at another man and a man catches him it is within his rights mm-hmm. to bury her up to her neck and the whole crowd's gonna stone her down like this yeah. is serious shit like yeah and you're t- like preaching this if you're gonna take part of it but not the whole yeah if you can't take the good with the bad then you probably don't like yeah well and yeah I was gonna say imagine it's like being they, a woman and reading that part of the Bible. You said your grandmother read all of it. Yeah. Like that's got to cause some internal turmoil within her. Yeah. You know, and it, it is like, and also these thoughts, this is why I have kind of gone against religion because yeah. it is this idea of like, wait, why am I less than? If we're all made in God's eyes, why am I less than? God loves or everything, even the ugly. Like, like God loves all. <laughs> like, like the like God. Yeah, and why can? There, there's why that saying, God don't like ugly. That ain't true. Yeah. I love. God made ugly. 
Exactly. Like, all the bad things, the brain tumors, the mm-hmm. you want to talk about grief on for like, for my job when I'm working on an ambulance. Oh, that we could have you fucking do a whole. Yeah. But it's not grief. After a while, a person becomes numb to it, and you realize it's a phase of life, and we are all going to come to that point yeah. where our mm-hmm. body stops functioning. And I fight this old man dying in a, out in the middle of the country by himself. Every day, bring him back. He was circling the drain, right? Like, all he had was the pilot light, but he was barely strong enough to, like, crawl on his hands and knees to get to the, to light it. And, like, we come out there and bring him a heater and blankets. And I remember walking in, and every time we got the guy, he would meet us outside. But every time we got him, he, roaches would fall off of him, oh, dead roaches. And, I, and his, both his kids were uh, pest control people. It's obviously like these people didn't talk what grief they've gone through and i kind of experienced it but i remember he's one of the funniest patients i ever had he looked at me he goes i'm 80 old man but look at my girlfriend and he and he looks at me he goes can't you tell but then he started shaking his pill bottle and he goes this is clark county mating call right here oh damn and you'd be surprised what some people oh, do for some That's i was a- like dude you're a <laughs> like, little, yeah, not wrong. But that's some real shit. I never thought that like I'd see some of the stuff that I'd seen. And after a while, you just get to the point where it's enough. Like yeah. it's everywhere. Yeah, there's so many people we don't see. Mm-hmm. You say, "Why was I born not thin or whatever?" There's some people out there that can't come out of their room, yeah. and we'll like go over there and they got to go to dialysis and like they. They, they tell you they can walk and you let them have the chance all of a sudden you gotta call six other people to yeah. come like help <laughs> cut the wall down and, and get on like figure out how to get from where we're at to yeah. another and they do it three times a week way have you ever thought that you've like have you ever really sat there and thought like wow I've even before you were an uh, EMT like have you ever thought like wow I've experienced a lot of death or I've been around or I've no I, when I was saying the two other instances that one guy who died beheaded mm-hmm. on the way home that was like my own age affecting me and then I, we had another kid the guy the, the Chinese kid in my class who's at a Chinese restaurant and I buy his food now I wonder if I was a bully and didn't realize it because mm-hmm. there were days when I'm please sell doing because I was so tired of eating like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. bad foods and like I think I'm he might I might have been a bully and not even known it. Like, I wouldn't. You but the kid, money. The, you kid, the, kid, the kid but the kid played really good baseball and I played baseball and I was like dude you're like I wanted him to hang around a lot. Yeah. His old, his brother was older; he was my age, and like I was like, "Your brother's awesome, man." But like the kid went home. I said on the team dinner that night, I said, "Are you coming, Howard?" And he's like, "I got something to eat when I get home." I remember he looked at me. I was like, "What's better than eat with like team? <laughs> Let's go." Yeah. And he's like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." Like I got my food. Like and I, I think he might have been telling me then. Like oh, he like, killed himself. Like, of, of all the people he's upset with in life, he might. Yeah, he killed himself that night. Oh my god. And we had a we had a dance. And my girlfriend was in his grade. She called me up. She's like, Howard killed himself. And I was like, I just talked to him like, what, about, that's why he didn't go to team dinner. Huh? How did he do it, if you don't want me asking? He took a gun and uh, temple to temple. How old was mm-hmm. he? Uh, uh, we were te- he was ninth grade. I was 11. Oh, my God. So 15 years old. And I remember like that dance just didn't have the jive to it, but I still danced. I danced for Aww. him. Like I put all my effort into it. And they're like, why yeah. are you celebrating? That was, was like, your funeral for him. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, you make your decisions, you know? Like yeah. some people learn when they're like six that they don't want to be good. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or they can't like be like adhere. I'm going to have to always grovel and well, apologize and, never, and ask for forgiveness. Like, I'll never judge suicide like, oh no it's it breaks my heart yeah. that someone it breaks my heart that someone feels that hopeless and that the people affected by it but i would never 
judge someone for feeling like they don't have like i obviously don't want anyone to commit suicide God, no please call the national suicide prevention yeah. helpline immediately i had a friend on, shoot himself last like last year and oh, his really? brother called me to tell you i want to tell you myself before you hear it from anyone else like, my bro- like just killed himself i was like i'm sorry man yeah i remember that night i went, took my pen to the pad i had a whole pad of paper and i filled the whole thing up front and back for him yeah. I don't even know what I wrote about it. It probably didn't make a lot of sense. Just like rambled on like my stories. But I gave it <laughs> Stream to Stream of consciousness. Yeah, is exactly. <laughs> Pretty <Hey>. much. <laughs> Sorry. So while we're at it, I did just want to say the National Suicide Prevention uh, Helpline. You can call them at 1-800-273-8255. And you can also 24-7 online chat suicidepreventionlifeline.org. So you said that you used to sort of express your grief in destructive ways, like going and getting a DUI. How would you say you do it now? I'm not. I don't grieve much now. You don't grieve much now. Not now, no. I'm trying to live life. I'm trying to be the best version of myself. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. There's always this one. So, like. I do what I do, and I don't ask for permission because I didn't need it. Mm-hmm. When you think about your dad, and you obviously, you know, you get upset, you're sad, you miss him, and that's grief. Well, I've tried to pull that emotion out since that's what our talk. Like the sure, whole well, I've, title like of I said, it. I've never seen. So, I've never really talked to you about that. You told me about the bees one time, but I've never. But when you pull that out, do you say like? Do you acknowledge like? Well, that is still there. It's yeah, it's always going to be there. There's those things that happen that will never heal from. But we can tend to them in a way that they become festering wounds in our. You can come on a podcast and talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Come on a podcast, talk about it. Remember him in your daily life, things like that. Like my dad was like my hero. You know, like that dude. Like it set the world spinning. Like like it showed me a lot of cool stuff. Like after we went to the North Pole, we went to. Hudson Bay and looked at polar bears while they migrated you know like that's cool um I guess after talking about everything um how how do you define grief the feeling of grief to you grief is when losing some part of my daily life that I really am attached to and it's gone it comes with it's like withdrawals like yeah oh gone dad's gone like i'm withdrawing from it and it sucks that is the first time i've ever heard that on this podcast yeah it's like yeah i mean it's what it is like you can experience in so many ways and not be able to label it for what it is it's like always fear hiding behind everything and like everything we we build up to keep ourselves afloat we do it because of fear of like you know the end yeah had you ever thought about what it would be like when your dad died or was he like superman he's you know not no, no i knew it was gonna happen yeah. like you know, and, and i knew i just didn't think it would be like he had cardiovascular and diabetic oh. doing insulin you know like mm-hmm. we knew he had been through a quadruple bypass surgery or oh triple God. bypass and like i remember that one a pleasant experience for him and the next day when he got home i'm gonna mow the lawn and I'm like I have never seen you mow the lawn since I like I was like two years old <laughs> after heart surgery that's you're like oh we're gonna make up for what we did. you got a do. fucking point to prove now yeah I was like fuck man. so your grandfather and your father had diabetes diabetes yeah I, I you ever been tested or yeah do you i'm any? not i'm not there yet but i, I will be if i don't keep my blood pressure under control a lot mm-hmm. of pre-di- di- pre-diabetic pretty much like yeah. i would say mm-hmm. I, um i'm 40 um i don't run five miles a week you know i'm not um okay so that it leads me into my next question really um 
have you i feel like i know the answer but i'm still gonna ask it like i don't um have you ever experienced grief not related to the loss of a loved one and could you give us a few examples yeah like we've already talked about it like like the troubles i've gotten in and like Mm -hmm. you know who i was who 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 you can't you're your versions of yourself in your mind and everybody else's yeah Mm -hmm. that wasn't one that we we all play you know that arrow was shot from a (laughs) <laughs> let's just say you know it's still flying <laughs> they're gonna stop it we even told a judge that the can't clip kid. the wings but, but <laughs> which we didn't tell that I story make on it. the podcast by the way yeah we didn't say that story which one but about clipping the wings we didn't say it on here Mm-mm. no oh, we so weren't I have recording it okay so I got in they come to my house the, the police and or the animal control because I had a parrot and she's my, my, my girl you know and I let her fly. I let her have her wings. I knew she'd come back. She'd swollen in the tree. So what? You know, like you increase your distance from which it can get from you when you have a bird, if you're smart. <laughs> I mean, like keep it an animal in a cage. You. Yeah. You can say like, fuck, for real. by the way. Fuck you. If you yeah. keep your bird in a cage, you don't let it fly. If you don't trust it to come back. If you don't have that kind of relationship with your bird, you shouldn't have it. Just somebody else. They live 80 years. Somebody else will find a good pet in it. Like, yeah. And when you get a, any house, I was like all birded out. And <laughs> just come home from work and she'd be in the trees pissed because I've been gone all day. Like, <laughs> and the neighbors would call the like, animal control. She'd be six streets away sometimes. You know, one time she went to Starbucks. One, one, and, it was like, and I told the guy, you should have shoot her off. He thought I said shoot her. <laughs> what? And I, like, we're, they exactly. thought you were going to shoot her? Yeah, you sounded like my bird when you said, what? That's one of her words. Like, what? Yeah, but I said, shoo her away. And he said, thought I was like, oh. and they, they came and they, I, I ran out the window through the woods. They couldn't catch me. Like, <laughs> dude, I, I could run all day then. Like, But what'd you tell the judge? When, well, well, no, what'd you get charged with? That's, well, the, finally, we've been making they, they, a they, reference they to flying got, at large. Yeah, well, when, we they got, when they finally caught me and I went to jail, I sat there for like six hours before my lawyer got there. And I was like, dude, got, let's just get out of here. I was, what am I being charged with anyhow? Like, a bird? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so weird. He goes, this is a cool one, Scott. It's the best one we've done yet. Like, <laughs> you're being charged with flying at large. Like, they had to make this shit up. Like, because the dog. This wasn't your first rodeo with this lawyer. No. no. <laughs> you had him on speed dial. No, no, on speed dial. I, 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 I had we didn't have phones like that back then. <laughs> no, I, I had, you know, I called dad. like, look, dad, you know, because he's yeah. the first one I wanted to talk to. I'm like, yeah. you got to talk to the man that you respect the most. Be like, look, man, I'm fucked up. You're going to tell them first. Yeah, but that has to be hilarious. Like, but I, I'm fu- I fucked up, but I don't really get it. This but I time. got out of jail that time. And the first thing I did is I went and got a tattoo on my chest. So I was like adamant. I was pissed. Mm-hmm. My, my, my beliefs had been like violated. And I, and I got this tattoo right here is a parrot flying and mm-hmm. i went to i went to court right that was before court and i told the judge ma'am i just got this this is my defense like, <laughs> like yeah, i just got out of jail and i'm coming to see you today like you're not gonna clip my bird's wings i'm gonna let her fly i'll have to if i have to move to somewhere in the country she's like might want to do that but <laughs> she goes i actually have a uh she had like a a budgie i think and she or no some sort of I can't even remember what type of bird, but like, I knew it then. I was like, oh, that's cool. Was it like, she's like, oh, it's great. And we talked for a minute, like off the record at court. <laughs> awesome. And she goes, credit for time served, $10 fine. And the next day she found, find some woman, um, $1,000 per chicken they had inside city oh, limits. Oh, wow. It's just oh crazy. God. She like slapped me because I mean, they did put me in jail for it. But I, she said, it's because of the county like resources. But I, I did tell Which her, you, yeah. I said, you'll never clip these wings. And I meant that when I went up well, there. Well, and you didn't yeah. realize that it was a, well, a bad I told, thing. I told 
murder in Clark County, you're not allowed to hunt fowl. It's yeah. against the law here in this county. Like I've yeah. been in, for one of those things, and it's been in effect for so long. Like and when I heard that once, I attached onto it because like, <laughs> and I have birds. I've like had the first reason I got a bird is because my dad and the one he got didn't get along, and I'd watch him with his uh, broom like beating the cage <laughs> in, in rage. I'm like, Dad, dude, and I'd, be like, I'd pick up the bird after him. I'd be like, you all right, buddy? Aww. Come on, hang out with me. You all right? And it's that bird, and I love You are bird. a caretaker. You are yeah, a caretaker. Like, at the core of who you are, you're a caretaker. Yeah. Do you realize yeah. that? Have you ever acknowledged that? I've always thought of myself as, like, the clown, but it's good to think of myself as a caretaker, too. Uh, like, I, I'm like a crazy person who would not trust. I really don't like I'm if I haven't known you for like 15 plus years and you will not spend more than five hours with my child Mm -hmm. and you're someone I've known for three years now Mm -hmm. and I trust you with my child. You because you alone too when Mickey's at work Mm -hmm. or Mickey's not there Mickey's here whatever like that you're because you're a caretaker like it's in your nature it's like the ems you know like oh, you gotta yeah. you gotta roll to play like yeah. there's no time for anything but like also you know. layla gets something from you that she doesn't get from me and Stefan, and probably vice versa with caitlin but totally different mm-hmm. like layla gets that adventurous side like mm-hmm. he will just dance with them for hours i've got like dance videos probably 30 40 minutes long <laughs> where i'm i mean i'm thrashing the whole time you know? do you think you mimic or, or maybe even subconsciously mimic your father in some ways or at least have or maybe completely opposite with your relationship with your daughters do you want to be remembered in the same way or do you yeah because want- I'm, I'm starting to plan these epic adventures like what about the north pole we go do that I said, i've been there i don't know if i want to do that with antarctica and i'm like they know like and i'm thinking i'm like looking at places in the world i want to go swim with whales yeah i want them to be in the water when it rises from the deep to like yeah. consume a whole society one gulp like an yeah. enormous animal I want to see that myself they yeah. say you either get out of the water because you're crying because you're like moved by nature or you're terrified of your life and yeah. I've, never, I've done that before I, I, went, I went to Belize and and paid this guy we're going out on a boat we're going to chum up for sharks and jump in as he had t- he handed me a uh, one of those arrows, like spear, torp- yeah, whatever, a uh, spear gun. Yeah. Uh-uh. When I saw that tiger shark, I I was bleeding to get out of it. Like I couldn't get out of the water fast enough. That thing scared me. The thing was yeah. like big. You don't realize how big they are until you see them. And I'm like, I'm not swimming with this thing. <laughs> no. No, I'm I'm out. Jump in the water. <laughs> no, no, thank no, you. Yeah. This this could get very confusing very fast <laughs> for these sharks. <laughs> Um, I am not chum. Not chum. Um, so, okay. I ha- The way this question's written, I'm going to change for you. Um, the Thank question you. was, do you have any coping mechanisms you consider to be unique? But I want to ask you, how have your coping, me- coping mechanisms changed over time? When I was 12, I picked up juggling, and it became a coping mechanism to me where I even, like, gone to school juggling in class the teachers wouldn't even really notice it after a while oh, i'd keep it so like how they change is like i, I still continue to do that like I, but i'll sometimes turn it into dancing mm. and sometimes i use it to get anger out in a dance floor sometimes it's my place to like blow off steam i've seen it you I've step in it. the way of like or just let him dance y'all mm-hmm. just let him <laughs> just dance just let him go just let him go like he's not he's, not here to, like, uh, <laughs> he's gonna like 
act like a peacock the whole time just <laughs> let him go like ain't nobody go he'll take his shirt off every now and then then he'll it's look so around hot. and say alright I'll put it back on now and then I'm gonna take it off again <laughs> like so I, I get hot yeah. I get hot you'll watch like in one day of me making videos of myself like I, I'll start with a shirt on swear to god and I'll sweat and then at the end of the day it's like five videos of me like juggling with yep so you've mentioned riding before. Is that one of your riding? Mechaniz- are your coping mechanisms? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I can't stay on topic ever. Yeah. Unless I'm giving a topic, even in giving a topic, I, I stray <laughs> off. It's awful. Like I have such an attention span. But, um, coping mechanisms. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll drink sometimes. Yeah. I will smoke pot sometimes, and mm-hmm. it's not that I'm doing it to take things away. It's so, at that moment I need to feel like that. Yeah, or you want really you want to tap out for a minute. Well, I'm not tapping out from anything because I still I'm oh, like oh, you you're like the, the the sad and sappy drunk. Like I, I've never been like that, but I've seen people who are and like just down on themselves. Yeah, I, I've never. Yeah, I don't yeah. feel like that. Seen like, that on in you? I mean, no. But I wish I wish I'd I'd be more critical of myself and like kept myself like, if I dressed nice every day or made my bed every day or you know, something something consistent. Yeah. It's like huh. coping mechanisms. You can't have too many when you have a kid. You know, it's more about Ugh. them. Yeah, God, and it's more is, about them. That's a whole fucking other episode. If too, you're busy honestly. with that, yeah. like well, we don't have time for ourselves. That's been the yeah. big, biggest blessing in my life is not had to be worried about myself. Cause, God, that's that'll just <laughs> well having ha- speaking of kids, like now having two daughters and having lost a parent. Do you? think about like do you have a death plan for yourself like when you die yeah yeah everything on my every song I ever made that i haven't shared on like posted mm-hmm. i'll never share my stuff till i'm dead mm-hmm. posthumously there's like gonna be 10 20 000 songs <laughs> wow. not to mention probably a thousand hours of videos but like yeah some of it like not all of it but not all of it <laughs> <laughs> just just let it go but i'm gonna i'm gonna have a system i i have a plan where i'm gonna have emails sent out so you're 30 years old today let me tell you about what happened when i was 30 and oh, i, was thinking about I you. love that yeah for and, for like caitlin yeah, yeah and oh that, like i want to start a website where people like they go, bring me their grief we're gonna sit all right look we gotta struggle we gotta we have a, don't we'll, spoil your idea someone will steal it <laughs> i don't care okay, they can good. have let's it go. and i'll let's use go. theirs so like, give a fuck. <laughs> let's go. it needs to be there no, but like I love that but idea. But I'm gonna like, have like I'm gonna like at their their wedding. There's if I'm not available to be there, I would have already planned oh, it out. But like, you know, like I'll set aside a certain amount that, that you know to pay for. You know, so if I'm gone, it's for that. Like I think that, that there's several people. It's just me. I'm not speaking for you, but I'm. Just, this is my mind. Mm-hmm. People that have lost their father or mother. That like, that actually would be awesome to have oh you'll have my facebook you know I mean? too and i'm active on it like yeah uh, i post like at least five times a day sometimes mm-hmm. but the most is, I, I erase everything that's not family related mm-hmm. after like uh, three days you know mm-hmm. i just wanted some people to see some shit that i saw that i thought was cool and then mm-hmm. it goes but what's left are like the pictures of my life daily life and i get mad at my oldest daughter because she doesn't like to be photographed <laughs> By anyone but her mom. So, that, yeah, that brings me a lot of grief. That yeah. whole situation, yeah. Which like, is, yeah. <laughs> My dad was a photographer, and I, I went through a stage where I didn't like to be photographed. I, I mean, there's like a whole two years where I'm just running from the camera, all the pictures if, they if, have. If Mickey comes back, ask her about the time my dad <laughs> made me become his subject when he got into photography. What? <laughs> I'm talking about sitting on the ground like... <laughs> Mickey's like, show me those pictures. I like, showed her, she just trips out on it. You could tell by looking at me, I was not happy with sitting there. Like, That's fucking hilarious. 
Um, yeah, Scott. I do cope on, like, I, I make songs. Yeah. I write. Yeah. And I'll do it all night long sometimes. Yeah. And then for five days, I don't do anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then for one afternoon, I'll, I don't know, dance video with the kiddos. Well, and you, you spend time with people that are important to you. And you do talk about things. I mean, you do, it's almost like your own therapy, you know? Mm-hmm. You talk about shit. You're on this podcast. Yeah, talking about yeah, shit. Yeah, well, I had a lot of reservations about coming here because I yeah. know I'm fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> you ain't even gotten the half of it. Like, yeah. Well, like listen, you, we're all fucking mad. Yeah. What did I tell you? I had that on my What my did I tell you was my quote, my favorite quote from Jack Kerouac. The only ones for me are the mad ones. Uh, the uh, ones who burn like Roman candles flickering in the night. God, I'm fucking that quote up. No, but, but I, you know I what got I'm you. Like, about? Those like, are, that's like, the like one, comets mad, in the sky. The mad ones, the ones that are desirous to live, desirous yeah. of everything. Like, whatever. don't underestimate a man or a woman who overestimates themselves, you know? Like, yeah. I think I'm greater than I am, but I always <laughs> fall short by getting in trouble, you know? Like, <laughs> but I've stopped doing that for a long time now. Like, since yeah. I met Mickey and, like, just decided, all right. There's a moment when I sit next to a trash can and I look at that trash can and I saw me. And I got on my knees and said, God out there, I talk to you in a while. <laughs> What's up? What's up? I'm being kicked out of my hometown. It's, you know, probably a long t- time ago. I would have left a lot earlier if my di- dad not, like, forced me to be around. Like, yeah. Like, he wouldn't let my sister go to school in Denver, like, when she had a, or Boulder, Colorado, when she had a volleyball scholarship. Wow. Like, yeah. like very controlling, you know? Like, yeah. So keeping him on a beer truck, like, in the summer, we, that way we know where we are. So there's a lot of resentment there, too. And I think that's what fueled a lot of my uh, rebellion. Yeah. And there was a time when I was so miserable in my life and like suicide was never an option but what was going on was not fucking cool mm-hmm. i've been in a lot of trouble that when i was 17 i'm sitting there looking like my dad taking every bit of furniture out of my room when i came home from school i went to the room there wasn't time for homework we knew he didn't he didn't do home this kid didn't do homework so like he gave me an hour to sit at the table with them <laughs> and look at my books and we didn't speak mm-hmm. then you go back to an empty room there's no bed or anything it's like two weeks into it and i was looking out the window I mean, going crazy. Like, this sucked. Yeah. Like, I don't like being restrained. And I, I realized what freedom was. And I was like, it ain't, it ain't. And I had to look at everything I've done. I was like, I know. I'm trying to ignore it, but I just want out of here. I was like, and I saw this flower growing outside the window. And I wanted to go put it in a vase really bad and give it to my mom. Be like, I'm sorry. Can I get out of my room now? Like, <laughs> tell dad. And, it, it, and I realized if I put that flower in a vase, I was going to kill it. Mm. and it had maybe a few hours before it wilted and if i left it out there i could sit and come home every day at least have it to look at and like another two weeks later after my month of imprisonment like i came out of there and and i wrote a story and it's it's about a meadow you want to hear it yeah. yeah and through my grief like i've searched like for meaning in things and in that moment when it like, hit me I, I thought for anyhow there once was a meadow deep in the woods at a place where no fences stood to divide the land and in this meadow there were flowers of all fanciful design so wide was their variety that every spring the land would explode into a dazzling array of color as though the rainbow itself had melted onto this meadow to give it an untouched and extraordinary beauty but the beauty of these flowers was noticed by none but themselves, and they grew vain and ever more arrogant, until an argument ensued, and it was the begonias, the begonias that spoke first, and they said, because most bountiful are we that we be proclaimed the most important flower in the meadow. 
More like common you are, said the rose, for it's us that people get their representations of love. Thus it's us who are the most important flower in this meadow. Yes, said the orchid, but we're the most fragile and most rare, hardest to keep. Thus we're the most important. And you hear the laughter, the gardenia and the tea olive and the honeysuckle. They're like, but from us, the bees make the sweetest of honey. Therefore, we're the most important flower. Let's let the bee decide. But the bee knew no such thing as most important, sweet or whatever. What, go from petal to petal, flower to flower, whispering sweet nothings along his way. And the argument was never resolved. Until one day, a man and his woman happened upon this meadow. And so delighted were they that they made love over a bed of flowers all trampled by their lust. Well, at the end of the day, he leads his lady by the hand to the edge of the meadow, looks back, he says, wait right here for a minute. He goes back there. He's looking at all the flowers, like, couldn't, and he's like, which one should I pick for her? And they heard him, and they said, take me, take me, take me, us, us. But he was confused, so he picked one of them all. And he took his bouquet back to his woman, he said, look, all the flowers I could pick for you, not one of them all combined equal the love I feel for you, for truly you're a flower that knows no end to spring. And she was satisfied with the honey in his words, and he led his lady home. And they came back to pick flowers again, and they brought friends. And they brought their kids, and they brought their kids, and over the years, they brought their friends, and they brought their kids, and everybody picked flowers. And it was then when they'd all been picked up, lounging in the shade of an ancient tree, thus spoke the weed. And he said, okay, flowers, we see how you and your argument ends, because if one of you were the most lovely or beautiful, then the rest of you would be here arguing still. But as it is and now stands, as but I, the lowly weed no less, that lays claim to this meadow as my own, because I've always understood this one simple truth. For being too desirable, a flower is put into a vase. And... After writing that, told you just fucking good. Jeez. After writing that, I remember putting the pen down and I wrote it in green ink and I woke up and I'm talking about like I've written thousands of pages. Yeah. Sometimes I'll burn them or like mm -hmm. throw them away in, in bundles this large because I feel like it's blasphemy. You know, some of it. Like what it takes to get to that story, what it took me to get there was like a lot of trouble. Mm. Yeah. Like a, a kid dying. Like my dad beating. You know, like five. You know, like. A whole lot of conundrum. Yeah. And I remember sitting there looking at that flower, and I remember for being too desirable, a flower is put into a vase. And I was like, that was God's gift to me. That That's what got me out of like going crazy in that room. Yeah. And when I got out, held on to that, and one until I was 24 that I came up with the story. I was like, I need a, like, like an Aesop fable. Yeah. Like, yeah. Where it all ties itself together. God, I wish I could be like, oh, I need an Aesop fable and just fucking write one. <laughs> but it's hard. Like, yeah. you've got to learn too much to get to it sometimes. It's just like from all angles. And also yeah. be aware that you're learning at that time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But it, it is so fascinating and he's so talented. So I'm glad you said something about the writing because I do think that that's yeah. a huge thing for you coping-wise. Yeah, that was always my biggest catharsis. So I just <sighs> noticed that when you mentioned writing a couple of times. By the way, nothing like that. But just yeah. like, <laughs> as my therapy, nothing yeah. quite as what good, but <laughs> I color, I, I'll color them too. Yeah. yeah. The reason I started like writing those types of stories because my daughter, whose mom wouldn't let me have time with her, and that was like caused not, a lot of not the same one. No, yeah, this is my first daughter. Like mm -hmm. you know, when we came together, I even tell that that story is just a lot of grief there. That time I didn't get to see her as much, so I drew, I wrote stories. Like, mm -hmm. uh, don't go hunting for honey in a hornet's nest. I'd learned that one. 
Yeah. I know from being stung, mm-hmm. but also another bear gets the honey too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I wrote two two versions of it, and I would send as I got a picture done to her. I don't know if they got to her, but yeah. And that was my message to her. So it's like I always always there, and there's a lot of grief with that, you know. Yeah. Like, I, I, oh yeah. And that that yeah it's definitely been been like, but I, i've stopped doing it it's like i'm banking on stories i wrote a long time ago it's like i've been afraid to actually think of one i want to write again or do you have to be in a certain frame of yeah, life that's to, what yeah. to, to, to learn think, that kind of thing yeah. do you think that that you're not writing stuff like that anymore is a sign of your progress in this point or like yeah that you're and doing I, well I you guess. know you're happy or, or whatever there's not as much turmoil yeah you well, know? i just haven't really been that much of a right like I, the phones changed everything yeah you that's can write, true. I, I sit there in dictation sometime and like i love like trying to read what i was actually saying when like girl it, sometimes we'll get texts at like midnight <laughs> and it'll be like a fucking novel and seth and it'll be like in our group we have like a group text with them mm-hmm. like a fucking novel and we'll both we'll both be reading it and we'll look at each other and he's like Scott had a night. <laughs> We're like, hell yeah, he did. Yeah, when I started speaking in in, in rhyme or whatever. Or yeah. Like, oh yeah, and he's 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 a good rhymer. Well, I think grief. 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 Grief is weird. That's what we always say. Grief, grief is, is weird. weird. Yeah. It is. Me too. Um, <laughs> we all are. Speaking of, I wanted to give the correct quote okay. that I was trying to, uh, and then we'll wrap up with the questions. But yeah. the quote is. The only people for me are the mad ones, the ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, desirous of everything at the same time, the ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but burn, burn, burn like fabulous yellow Roman candles, exploding like spiders across the stars, and in the middle you see the blue center light pop and everyone goes, aww. Dude, that's that's like how I like to live my life. Like, yeah. Exactly like that. Kerouac wrote that on a lot of fucking benzos. <laughs> but, yeah. it's, but it's the good that's shit. On the draw. road. One of the best American classics of yeah. all time. But um, I wanted to ask you, having lost your father, what, and experiencing that, what is something you would say to a loved one or a friend or anyone that goes through something similar? You know, if you're a parent with somebody you really liked a lot, and you go through it just take be there for them like when also don't kill them i mean don't kill them with your kindness or your desire to keep them alive like from my time on an ambulance i see people making their loved ones unnecessarily go to doctor's appointments that like or eat food they don't want and i'll be yeah. sitting there this man will tell me to make his wife of like 50 years eat this sandwich and she please don't sir don't make wow. me eat it i'm like i ate it for you know like just a few bites to make it realistic and gave it back to her like she ate and she looked at me like thank you yeah. i was like i got i gotcha so like you think you're like a, a, a saving people in ems no you're just there to comfort them along their way and to understand that we'll be there too yeah it's like every day is important <laughs> and, and they, they, you'll have somebody 95 years old seven years we're in a nursing home can't imagine much quality there no. yeah so if you don't like die on the road like those nursing homes are scary like it'll yeah. scare you if, if, if you don't like if you can't handle it you quit so you're like more a supporter of like compassionate care and like ending right like, like just making it comfortable but not prolonging it just just not being like all right we're gonna take your vi- your, your, your blood pressure right now and squeeze their arm up and yeah, they're like uh-huh. fragile and just had needles in it for 
three hours, when, you know, blood pumping out of them. I'm like, you know, I'm not even going to bother you. I'll make them up for you. What, what do you want to say your blood pressure was? Like, <laughs> I can damn well take it. Yeah. But these people don't want you to fucking die. Yeah. They just want to go home. Yeah. yeah. They go back to their bed where they're going to sit till the next time you see them, you know? Yeah. Or they get dragged to a shower and it's like, you walk by the shower room and hear people screaming sometimes. Yeah. You walk by a room, sir, 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 you know, like some people just repeating the same thing over it's a madhouse you know it's yeah, like but we're all yeah. gonna go through it so i won't mind to be on the field i want to live my life to the point where like i die by accident on my motorcycle or oh god or you know like when you're I, old as fuck and you shouldn't be riding a motorcycle yeah <laughs> no 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 no. i'm just saying like i don't want to go through what a lot of people I see oh yeah no i know physically. but i'm saying selfishly right. i don't ever want you to die so i don't this either but that's why i write a lot because yeah. i want to live forever yeah and the only way i'm gonna impact like the world like that is to not worry about like fitting in ever it's, well you it's will live kinda, forever through your children too i mean yeah then like, that the shit too yeah, like, like i feel bad for my little sister because she didn't have any kids she got her puppies but those aren't yeah those aren't it's well, different maybe she doesn't want them i don't know she doesn't she doesn't yeah i mean <laughs> but i think still feel grief for her when you talk about the compassionate care and stuff like that you had said something about your dad when he passed and you turned off the and closed his eyes yeah it was official at that point was was there is that like a thing your family talks about or was it not at all yeah not at all like i'll talk about my dad and my mom or my mom will tell me like you're just like like explain like you just i just saw your dad i'll look in the mirror and see myself and my sister will tell me i'm you know like the apple didn't fall for but was everyone everyone was on board with what you did yeah okay yeah it wasn't like yeah like it's i mean it's over yeah. yeah it's fucking over was he already dead yeah, like, okay, but you know, okay, like, okay. that's when we were being swarmed by honeybees. And well, stuff, okay, and so that's, that's why I wanted to clarify for listeners because like, I thought what I thought you were saying was that you could tell he was in pain, so you turned off his breathing oh, no, machine. The he whole, passed. Yeah, he had already passed. Yeah, and, it's, okay, it was, okay. Like, we were there as it, you know, as yeah. it ended, and yeah, it was over at this point. We knew it, and it was just like, you know, he's starting. Yeah. You want to jump on top of the, the mm. body and like suck whatever air, like a mouth to like CPR in reverse, you know, like yeah. get the soul from it and like put it in you. Yeah. Because it gets carried out on a gurney. And from there, you know, they made him look so good because the whole time he had his like tumor, he didn't look like himself. He didn't act like himself and he wasn't there anymore. So basically, my dad died on 9 11 in 2008 or 9. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like what was from there? And there's only a few lucid moments. One to ask me to let me die at home. And a few of like where my sister would play the song Memories, like and he, you know, she played piano. That shit was hard not to cry to. Sometimes oh I bawled for it, but it happened every day, yes. and, I, and I soaked it all up. Even though I don't, like my brother, he'd be like, I "Can't take this." Like, yeah. yeah. Like, so yeah. I mean, it's like, and I sat there and I felt that, and I was just like, you know, I'm gonna remember this. And I was sitting there the whole time, like, man, I wish he saw me doing good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but I think he knew that he, he had a bullet that hadn't stopped yet in yeah. me. And he's like, I always knew you were going to have your first kid by accident. Like, that's what he told me. <laughs> and he was like, you know, you don't, you, you can do what you want to do. Yeah. Like, just figure it out and get it done, you know. So like, speaking of music, what song would you have played at your funeral? Um, Society by Eddie Vedder. For the oh, book, from, the, the, uh, right, um, yeah, from wow. Society. Into, into the Wild? I'd have a whole playlist, though, to be honest with you. And, and like, I would require people to, like, have the ticket sent from the email thing that, I, like, that I'm going to set up. And, like, you got, you've been issued to a show. <laughs> and, like, I got 100 hours of just, like, and then there are also <laughs> other things that provide, anyhow. It's going to be My kids time. are going to have some parties. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to celebrate life. Yes. You know, like, oh, yeah. that's what I want to create in our society today is to plan for your death and have kids and to 
write to them on stages of their life like and tell them what you were going through and just like just do this like, just if, connect to people like if you yeah. don't have kids just connect to people and if you don't have kids make connect your to people. impact in people's life by being good and exactly kind. yeah exactly like you know there's do a lot unto of, others as you would have them do unto you yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's the best way yeah you know it needs mm-hmm. to boil down to that yeah so first of all i want to say scott sequich i love you so much thank you I so much you for being here um we i think the our listeners are going to get a lot from your story a lot of laughs and a lot of uh learning moments as well so i think your insight has been very valuable Uh, is there anything else you want to say yeah no matter what you get from what i said get what you can out of life before you're grieving over it i love it we love you scott thank you i love you you. thank you for having thank you for i mean i've never been asked to speak before and (laughs) oh we'd love to have you back yeah oh yeah let's do it again yeah absolutely every every wednesday i'll drop down to where you're at we'll bring the equipment with the scooby dan make a mini trip by the (laughs) (laughs) i am obnoxious no we love you so um, how are we gonna end this so tomorrow? to wrap it up uh let's say live your life with your wings unclipped because it all ends in a funeral bye guys bye guys bye bye <laughs> funeral stories is produced by seth and Molino, and music is by john pope check out our website and blog by going to www.funeralstories.com and follow us on facebook and twitter at Funeral Stories and on Instagram at Funeral underscore Stories. Donate to our cause on Patreon to unlock subscriber rewards. And please don't forget to send your funeral stories to funeralstoriespodcast at gmail.com or hello at funeralstories.com. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes and listen on your preferred podcasting service. Thanks, guys. Bye.